Welcome to the Garden Culture Podcast, hosted by me, Bailey Van Tassel. I'm a self-taught gardener, busy wife and mother, and small business owner on a mission to live a garden-inspired life. Each month, we will explore what's going on in the garden and fields, as well as get to know incredible people who infuse their own lives with the magic of the garden. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned here, please visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast. Hello, you guys, the holidays are upon us and I wanted to talk about holiday gifts from the garden, obviously homegrown holiday gifts. So I really got this creative download about this idea recently and I've been sharing these like teeny tiny micro reels on my Instagram about it to showcase what I mean, but I'm literally using everything from my own garden to do handmade gifts this year that are not, and I don't mean this in a bad way because do not get me wrong. My children's artwork is everything to me. I will wear the homemade bracelets. I will post the handprint turkey. I will save everything. I absolutely love it. But no one really wants to receive the handmade gifts from their, like someone else's five-year-old, you know? So I want to make sure everything we make that's homegrown and homemade is still feeling sort of special and luxe and thoughtful. So I have nine ideas for holiday gifts from the garden. Are you ready? Okay, let's jump in. Number one is a started bulb. I love forcing bulbs indoors. I think it's so nostalgic. I think it's beautiful. It's giving greenhouse. It's giving Victorian gardening vibes. Like I love it. Also, my mom always used to, still does start paper whites in the house. So the smell is very reminiscent of my adolescence. It just, I don't know, just reminds me of her and I and the winter. I love it. So forcing bulbs, you can do a variety of ways. And actually in the archives in the Kitchen Garden Society, uh, my monthly membership, I'll link to it in the show notes. I have an entire lesson about fully forcing bulbs because there are ways to do it like in the fridge, in soil, all of that. I'm just going to talk about right now how to give a bulb gift to someone. So um, what I like to do is get a beautiful like forced bulb, bulb starting vase. They sell them. If you put in like bulb vase on Amazon, I'll link to some in the show notes. You can get a special vase that is designed for letting a flower bulb sit in the top portion of the vase. And then the roots can dangle down and just touch the water very gently. The key is you do not ever want the water to touch the actual bulb because it will rot. You just want the roots in there. But what I like to do to take this up a notch is get a pretty little bulb starting vase. Or like I said, you can also start something like an amaryllis, which is that like really big Christmas blooming red, usually sometimes white amaryllis flower. It's just so stunning with that long stem singular bulb. You can get something like a pickle jar or like a wide mouth hurricane style glass container and start a bulb in that with just like the tiniest amount of water. You can play with it. But what I like to do is get my vessel, however, whatever it is. And I literally just put a little bit of rocks at the bottom. If you're feeling that, or I leave it naked. 
and then tie a beautiful ribbon with a beautiful note. This year I chose like pink satin ribbon, sort of a dusty rose pink, and then used a tiny paper clip with a little handwritten paper whites place indoors in full sun, little like tag on it. And it's so cute and so thoughtful. But imagine you just get this gift. It's a bulb that just has like, I don't know, half an inch of potential sprouting up. And then the rest of the season on your counter is this beautiful reminder of the gesture. So I love this idea. This is great for friends. I've given these for like little birthday gifts with a card. I think these are great for teachers. You can also tie like an ornament onto with the bow onto the vase, however you want to do it. Very chic, very simple, very thoughtful. Okay, number two. So I recently taught a mini herb garden workshop in person and it was so fun. I went out and bought like, I don't know, 56 individual herbs of 10 different varieties and planted them in a little container. Again, I will link all of these details in the show notes. It's going to be chock full of links and information for you guys if you want to shop this stuff, but you can really kind of shop your house. Um, I always have extra, speaking of those bulbs, like extra just glass flower vases that could work. In this instance with the tiny herb garden, you really need a container. So I used little aluminum beverage containers from Walmart that were like $7 a piece. And they were, you want to make sure that they're deep enough to hold a four inch herb that's already been started. So if you're buying your herbs as starts from the nursery, imagine you're creating this for someone that you know, like loves cooking, loves gardening, loves herbs, lives in an apartment, but is like super into that. You go to the nursery and you buy you know, five herbs. They're gonna, it's gonna cost you probably $4.50 ish, maybe $4.79 per herb. And they're gonna come in four inch containers. That's the standard size for buying one single herb start, like start. So your container needs to be, I recommend at least six inches deep by six inches wide for one single herb because you want soil in the bottom. You want it to be hospitable for the herb to grow. So herbs will be sort of self-containing. They won't outgrow their space necessarily, but they will fill up a space if you give them room. Like oregano will totally spread if you give it the space. Otherwise, she can sort of just hang out in the space that you've given to her. But you don't want to crowd them in the beginning. So I bought these aluminum beverage containers from Walmart that were... I should look up the dimensions. I want to say 11 inches deep by probably the same, about eight to 10 inches wide by 12 inches long. So, you know, like one of those kind of for a party you're sending out this aluminum container. I filled it halfway with soil, popped my herbs in. So the top of the soil block that each individual herb came in sat pretty close to the top of the container and then filled soil in around that. And so it made these little herb gardens so charming other than like this container full of stunning herbs is just pretty is I chose one edible flower to throw in as well, like a viola, maybe a nasturtium, always a nasturtium, my favorite plant of all time. And to pop those in for like a little bit of color. And those are edible, obviously edible flowers 
And then get the little wooden herb markers, like the little wood tags. You can buy them at a nursery or on Amazon, you know, in packs of like 25. Unfortunately, you could use popsicle sticks. You could get totally crafty and then just wrote the herb name on there. Final touch always, I put a big plaid ribbon that I already had from last Christmas around it and you are done. And honestly, these are so stunning. They're so beautiful. They make such a statement. They're super thoughtful. Final note on the tiny herb garden. Ideally, you do want drainage holes. So you may need to drill holes in the bottom of the containers that you get and then leave a disclosure for the gift recipient that if they water their herbs too much, the water will come out the bottom. Okay, actual second note to think about with the tiny gardens. In my herb class, I gave this handout that was like six pages long talking about how to use the herbs that I had chosen and how to take care of them. Because some, there's sort of two types of herbs. There are those that want their soil to completely dry out. So we're talking like rosemary. She does not like having wet feet. Her roots will get moldy. She does well in desert climates. Um, She's not going to pair well with someone that needs a lot of water. Some of these herbs want, you know, they just want the top inch to dry out and they want to kind of stay in a little bit of a damp environment. So make sure you do your research on which herbs are complementary that you plan together and plant together, plan and plant together. Okay. Number three, and this is maybe, I can't choose a favorite. I don't know. One of my favorites. So I grow a couple herbs that I use specifically for tea, um, mint, catnip, melissa, lemon verbena, tons of other things can be made into tea, um, sage, all sorts. But my two favorites are melissa, otherwise known as lemon balm, and lemon verbena. And they're both calming, anti-anxiety, chill vibe herbs that are perfect for winding down. And actually, I first got introduced to this combo and to these herbs specifically by a girlfriend whose aunt sent them to her when she was pregnant. And I remember she had this big bag. She was like, oh my gosh, you and my aunt would be the best of friends. She just sent me this big paper bag full of like herbs from her garden that she is telling me I need to make out of a tea to like chill out in my pregnancy. Yes, I would love your aunt and do. And she's totally inspired me. So go on Amazon and buy the little unbleached, like recyclable, disposable tea bags or one of those tea strainers, depending on how fancy you want to get with your gift or for yourself. But I bought the little disposable tea bags. Those felt more approachable. And I've been filling those with my herb mixture of Melissa and lemon verbena. It smells insane. It tastes incredible. And then I got these really cute little gold tins that can hold like two filled bags of tea in them and put in a little note and then wrapped this gorgeous vintage like dark green velvet ribbon around it and then put two little sprigs of this pretty little like cattail grass almost um, that I had (laughs) in a bouquet on my counter. Um, So feel free to forage. You could put little sprigs of rosemary or a little dried flower in there, however you want to do it. But it is so cute and touching and luxe. And it's like homegrown tea in little bags that you can immediately use. It is, I'm telling you, this 
homegrown gift, I think is so thoughtful and generous and so adorable. Okay, number four. I have been known to make chive and rosemary salt for my pantry, um, just for my own use in my kitchen. Chive salt has become sort of a non-negotiable for me. I absolutely always have it on hand. And it's that special touch that elevates a lot of my food and dishes. And also if I'm out of onions, same with kind of garlic. I use garlic salt, garlic powder, onion powder, this chive salt, like all of those four that really add those flavors. I know sometimes you want to specifically use them, but chive salt's one of those things that you have in your back pocket that just updates a dish. People are always asking me, how do you use chive salt? Similar with rosemary salt. I don't use those interchangeably, but I like both of them. So chive salt I use on eggs, avocado toast, meats, roasts, soups, pastas as like a finishing salt or even just cooked into the dish. Um, Also great for a stir fry. So good. Any Asian inspired dishes. Rosemary salt, I like to use more with baked goods. So finishing touch on some bread or some biscuits or like even um, a sugar cookie. If you want to do like a sugar cookie with dried flowers and rosemary salt, I mean to die for. So both of these herbed salts I make and it is so easy. You gather the herbs, whichever you choose. I do not recommend combining them. So you can just choose which one you make but I'm going to use chives as the example. So you go get your chives and it's basically going to be like uh, one part chives to two parts salt. So I used about a half a cup of chives and a cup of coarse salt. And I rinsed my chives, threw them in my food processor or blender, added my salt and just pulsed them until you get sort of a still coarse salt, but greenish mixture that's like a little tiny bit damp from that rinsing. So you've got, it's not mushy. It's not runny. It's not like cohesive. It's not blended. It's just combined well. And then you spread that onto a cookie sheet, bake it at 200 for about 30 minutes, just like every 10 or 15 minutes, sort of shuffling the salt around, bottle it up into an herb container, slap a bow on it, and you're good to go. Okay. Number five is so fun. And I have to give a shout out to Leah Larabelle, who I interviewed. I think she's, I'll have to look for you guys, episode three or four. She's one of my favorite herbalists. And Leah taught me about this idea. So she creates her own herbed wine for when she has guests over and, or for herself and her husband. And it's so ridiculously simple. But the first time I did this, I was actually floored by how much I loved it. So what you do is you take, I'm going to use white wine here. I've not done this with red wine because it just doesn't sound as good to me. But you take a bottle of white wine, I would say something like a Sauvignon Blanc that's sort of light and empty out about uh, half a glass of that wine. Drink it, toss it, cook with it, whatever you want to do. And then go out and gather some herbs. Now, I wouldn't recommend that you give someone necessarily like a cork, like a bottle of wine that's been opened with a cork in it, like wrapped as a gift. But I think this is brilliant to take to a dinner party or if you're doing a Friendsgiving or something like that where you're showing up and you want to have something in hand that's from the garden. 
So you've got your wine, you've dumped out like just a little bit, enough to like create some room in the bottle. And you're going to go out and get your herbs. And the ones that I used were yarrow, mint, rosemary, and chamomile. That Melissa and lemon verbena would be great in this situation too. They rinse your herbs so we're not like getting gritty stuff. Pat them dry. So you really want to make sure that they're like fairly clean, very clean. And then you're just going to put them in the wine bottle. Like that's it. Try to make them look pretty. It'll be hard. I went in with chopsticks and was trying to like arrange the yarrow so it looked pretty and pressed up against the glass. I also removed the label on my wine glass so it looked really pretty. But then corked it, set it in my fridge overnight and then drank it the next day. So let me tell you, this is so delicious. You're underestimating how good it's going to be with the herbs in the wine. And also, I swear it kind of gave me a different vibe. It's just a more chilled out sort of after effect with the wine that I really liked. So herbed wine is like something different and new and lovely. I've got a link for this on my website as well so you can get more info, but I'm telling you, this will be a showstopper. Okay, I wanna take a quick minute to share something with you. So I have tried making my own natural cleaners. I've tried buying natural cleaners from the grocery store. I've tried ordering natural cleaners from special websites. And dun, 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 I can finally definitively and passionately say that I have found the household cleaner that I love. I've completely transferred our home into using Koala Eco. It's the actual best. Here's why I love it. It's high impact, so it actually gets things completely clean. It's entirely and completely natural and sustainable. So the company has this incredible commitment to sustainability and to ethics. Everything's recyclable, post-consumer products. Like it's incredible, but the product itself is made with Australian essential oils. The packaging is pretty enough to be on display. Like seriously, I literally just put it on my counter and it still looks pretty. And the smells are gentle and beautiful. It doesn't smell harsh, but it doesn't smell floral. It doesn't smell too much of anything. It just smells good. I'm super picky about this. There's a ton more that I love about this company in general, but overall it's a no brainer. Koala Ego is my actual favorite. Get the starter pack, buy one thing, subscribe. I've done it all, honestly. Thank me later. So go to baileyvantassel.com forward slash natural cleaning and get in on this scoop. Okay. Number six, lemongrass tea wreaths. Uh, I grew lemongrass this year because of two reasons. One, you can cook with it and make tea with it. And two, it looks very decorative and very landscapey. So I wanted to test out how it would look in my borders. Absolutely love it. It's a statement. It's tall, it's beautiful, and it's useful. So lemongrass is typically harvested in autumn or winter and you want to remove any brown leaves or like drying, not looking pretty leaves, the outer leaves also. So you get just sort of that lemongrass reed in the center. If you're using lemongrass like and drying it for tea or, or if you're going to like saute it for cooking, that's how you want to process the lemongrass. However, if you're gifting it, like I'm going to talk about right now, you want to just remove the brown or dead leaves and then keep the rest of it. 
and you're going to twist your lemongrass into a shape. So some people will run their hands from the base to the top and then twist it around and make like a, a corkscrew twist and then tie the ends of the lemongrass onto themselves. I'm going to have to show a picture. But you can also braid your lemongrass or twist it around and just make a twisted circular wreath with it, sort of like a flower crown, and use that as just a very simple gift that you can give people to allow it to dry out and soak as a tea in hot water. You can place it around a bottle of wine as like a finishing touch. I think these make a beautiful addition to a gift tag. Nothing says chic to me like someone who has wrapped a gift, placed a bow on it, and then placed like a charm or an ornament or a little something extra in with the bow. Um, Gift wrapping is like the lowest form of my personal domesticity. I am not good at it, but this is when you know I've tried. I've added a little bobble to the gift, and I think these lemongrass tea wreaths are brilliant for that. Okay, number seven, pressed flower bookmarks. I also did a lesson in the Kitchen Garden Society that's been archived for these bookmarks because I saw them online once like on Pinterest, had to recreate it. Love, 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 love these. They're so elegant and charming and cottage core. If you're into that, it just is beautiful. So what you need are pressed flowers. Um, whether you have your own or you buy some, you can buy packs of pressed flowers on Amazon. You need contact paper. And then I do recommend a white, like a thick white sheet of cardstock. So you want to cut out the cardstock to be the size that you want the bookmark. You can make these just clear and floppy, which I've done without any of the cardstock. So you choose. And then you are going to place your dried flowers onto the cardstock and then place the cardstock onto your contact paper. So if you're making these double-sided, which I recommend, place some of your dried flowers down on the contact paper first, then your cardstock, then more dried flowers, and then close up your contact paper, cut it, and you're done. Like that's it. If you want to put a hole punch in the top with a ribbon to have that added effect or like a little tassel, do that. I actually kind of just like to leave mine plain because I don't want them to get like tangled up or ripped out. Anytime I have any sort of a ribbon looking thing, my kids pull it. So these pressed flower bookmarks given as a gift inside of a book is so next level. If you know anyone who loves to read or like myself, anyone I have found that's really into gardening typically also is really into reading nature, all of that. Find a good book on any subject. Also place in your little flower bookmark and it is so personal, so elevated, so elegant. Okay, so number eight is a lavender sachet. I went to Croatia with my now husband. Then we were, I think, just engaged. And I know this is gonna sound like the bougiest story of all time, but we have a friend who was picking up a yacht from Croatia and had to sail it home. We live on the coast in California, so this is... Yes, sounding so crazy and bougie. We were the recipients of his generosity and we just got to go partake. So it was a dream. And when we were in Croatia, they had these tiny little linen bags filled with lavender from their lavender fields with like a little painted picture of a sprig of lavender on them. 
and they're meant to be placed under your pillow to help you sleep. So I came home and had to recreate with my own dried lavender because they're so adorable and useful. They're also something that you could put into drawers or closets if you want to refresh the smell of a space and you like lavender. So you could do this with other dried um, herbs or flowers as well. I'm thinking maybe like geranium, bergamot, but lavender's tried and true. I have not tried the other plants. So what you need are the dried lavender petals and a piece of linen, a needle and thread, and some purple and green paint, as well as a little very thin ribbon to close your sachet off at the top. If you want to cheat the process, you can buy little sachets online and just use your lavender to fill them up and then paint on that. So what I did is I've done both. Um, for the sewing method, I cut out a piece of linen and hand stitched it because I didn't want to get out my sewing machine, but you could use your sewing machine to stitch a little bag, just a little raw edged bag that you turn inside out. And then it, it's very easy to not take much time. You just want to cut out a rectangle that's big enough for you to fold it over. So you're only stitching up two sides, but you want to make sure your stitches are like right next to each other, really tight stitching. So none of the lavender pops out then you need to leave room to put lavender inside and to fasten it at the top. But before I filled my sachets, I painted my little lavender sprig. So I made like a light dusky green little main stem and then added like six or seven little dots of purple around for the lavender and added one little leaf on each side. And then with a note described, enjoy your lavender sachet, sweet dreams. Something else you can do if you want to fill, if you're like filling a ton of gifts is add Epsom salt in with the lavender. That'll actually help the scent last longer and then make your sachets a little bit more dense and heavy. Totally optional. Totally optional. Okay. Number nine is the easiest, I think, but still super duper thoughtful. And I've become very known for my love of nasturtium and especially nasturtium seeds. Every year I collect all of the nasturtium nasturtium seeds that drop in my garden and I either use them fresh to make capers or I let them dry and replant them next year, save them or gift them. So this is the instance, saved seeds of any kind, cosmos, marigold, lettuce, like whatever you want to do. Save your seeds, pop them in a little seed envelope, either just write, just handwritten write when they were collected, what variety they are, and how to how and when to plant them ideally. Or you can buy a little pre-made stamp. I've got a couple that are like from the garden of Bailey Van Tassel. Or they're blank and they just say, um, you know, seeds collected on with a line where you can just write the date and then it'll say, you know, variety and you can write the plant. So I think saved seeds are super, super sweet. They're great party favors. If you're having a Christmas party, they're great to put at everyone's table space. If you're hosting some sort of a dinner, they're great to add on to a wrapped gift. Like I mentioned before, I just think they're super thoughtful. They're super useful and they're low. In fact, they're easy to collect. So those are my nine ideas, homegrown holiday gifts. I hope you love them. I hope they bring you joy. If you guys have questions, 
let me know. Seriously, email me, go to baileyvantassel.com and email me um, or leave a comment on here on the podcast. I'd love to hear about it. But truly, thank you so much for joining me here. As you know, I do have a monthly gardening subscription and things are ramping up in 2023. So the com is where that all happens. And truly, your membership at the Kitchen Garden Society is what funds this podcast. And I'm just very grateful for you to check it out and hopefully become a member. But I'm mostly so glad that you were here. If you love the podcast, I hope you'll subscribe, share with a friend, share about it, tag me. Okay. Okay. I love you. Happy holidays. Talk to you soon. I hope this episode has been balm for the soul and inspiration for the heart. I would love if you left a review to let me know your thoughts or anything you're interested in learning. And I'm so grateful that you found this space. For more information on any techniques, recipes, or ideas mentioned, visit us at baileyvantassel.com slash podcast.